Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. church. Good to see you. We're here at Morristown. Good to see you guys. Glad you're thrilled to be here. I'm glad you're here. We want to give a special welcome. We got a lot of people joining us, our brothers and sisters who are in New Brunswick and Nutley on the big screen. Would you welcome them joining us live? Great that you guys are with us this morning. We are in week two of the series Revive and catching some of you up. This is really a series in which we're exploring the topic of revival. What happens when God kind of wakes up the church from her spiritual slumber, breathes fresh life into her and kind of wakes up. That's what revival is. It's a spiritual awakening. And what we're doing is we're taking these days leading up to Easter really to seek revival in our lives through fasting and prayer. We gave you a program today. Can you take that on out? If you don't have one, just put your hand up and we'll send our ushers around all our campuses. We'll get you a program. It's got a straw sticking out. Stick your hand up. We'll make sure you get one. You'll see on the front, it says fasting and prayer guide. And on the inside, you'll see we are calling for a three-day liquid fast. And really what that is, is for three consecutive Wednesdays leading up to Easter, we're going to be fasting from solid food and drinking only water and natural juices. And this is really a, a spiritual discipline meant to draw closer to God. And, and fasting simply a way of disciplining our flesh and saying, you know what? I want more of God's spirit. Lord, would you kind of sharpen my appetite for you? I, let me crave Christ as we lead up to Easter. And the good news is we have over 1,000 people already signed up last week for the fast, which is very exciting. Uh, my goal is that 2,000 of you would sign up. If you haven't, there's still time. You can check this card today, okay, and join us. We'll send popcorn buckets around a little bit after, uh, after I finish uh, talking. In fact, here's the deal. All of our campuses this week on Wednesday, we're coming together at 7.30 on Wednesday night at every liquid campus for public prayer and worship. And then we're going to kind of break our fast together with a smoothie, okay? So that'll be kind of fun. I hope you join us on Wednesday. Um, join really hundreds of people who are praying and fasting for all sorts of things. I want to give you a taste of this. I read all these cards that came in last week, and uh, people are seeking all sorts of things through this fast. One young woman said, uh, I'm fasting. Lord, would you restore the relationship between my, my parents and me? Uh, I'm seeking di- a direction for grad school. Uh, somebody said, help my friend discern between two job decisions. A fast is a great thing to do if you're, you're facing like a couple of decisions. You're like, Lord, I need your wisdom. I don't know what to do. I, I need your discernment, and you're fasting for that. Someone said, I, need, I just need revival, a renewed sense of passion in my life. Maybe your spiritual life is a little flat. Someone's fasting for their daughter's healing. Uh, we're fasting for our son's continued sobriety. 
a good fast always has a focus and, and, and behind it. In other words, many of you are fasting on behalf of someone that you love. And we've given this fast kind of an outward focus because our model for this came from the book of Esther. We looked at this last week. We saw how Esther was concerned with the salvation of those she loved. That was the Jewish people. And she called the entire nation together. And what did she say? She said, fast for me. Don't eat or drink for how long? Three days, night or day, I and my maids will fast as you do. And then she went to the king with her request. And so she fasted before she sought the king's favor. And as a result of her three-day fast, the entire nation was saved. So Esther's three-day fast really is a model for this one. Um, some of you are fasting for the salvation of somebody that you love or their, their blessing or deliverance, family members who don't know Christ. Somebody said, uh, my friend is in financial need, uh, co-workers who just need help. This is kind of, this is very, I appreciate this. Someone said, I'm ca- fasting for my cousin's child custody court battle, okay? So if someone in your family really going through a crisis or a test, this is a way to support them. Uh, fasting for my sister's marital problems. These are all great focuses for a fast. And it is completely fine to fast for yourself if you are the one facing a crisis. Esther sought God in a time of crisis. And some of you, you're facing a tough situation. Maybe it's a health diagnosis or a financial challenge. There are all sorts of reasons to really seek God to bring revival, to breathe new life into these circumstances. Now, here's the deal. We're going to go a little bit deeper today into the how of fasting and really see actually how our focus is not going to be on the food. And, and that's, that's the deal because a lot of people, when we talk about a fast, they focus on the food. So like, what can I eat? Uh, you know, what's legal? What do you mean liquids only? We tried to make this simple by putting a straw in your program. Can you all take that out? Wave around your straw. You got a straw? The idea behind a liquid fast is that we, whatever fits through a straw is legal. You understand what a liquid fast is? We're not having solid food for 24 hours. Basically, anything can fit through a straw. It's supposed to be natural. Water, fruit juices, vegetable juices. And we're trying to keep this simple as a reminder. Unfortunately, over this past week, it has come to my attention that some of you are kind of missing the point of this, okay? The straw is a reminder. It's not a challenge, okay? So when I say anything that fits through it, I hope you don't try to bend the rules like some people I know.
Yeah, that's Pastor Tom. We appreciate <laughs> He He is seeking counseling. So I just want to... Uh, and anything we fit through a straw, by that we mean water, natural juices. We put a suggested list in your bulletin. You can kind of take a look at that. And we're not trying to be legalistic, okay? After the service last week, it was funny. I was greeting folks, and, uh, you know, I was shaking people's hands. And I put up my hand, and this one woman, she takes a chocolate bar out of her purse and goes, here, and handed it to me. And it's like, we're not, we're not the food cops here, okay? It's not like we're trying to be legalistic or about this. So the focus is not on the food you'll be missing but on the God you'll be gaining. Fasting is about giving up something physical, in this case, solid food for 24 hours, for the sake of something spiritual. That is a fresh filling of God's spirit. The focus is on our spirit, not our stomachs. Because what we've seen in scriptures, there's something about empty vessels that God can't resist filling. So this Wednesday is kind of a wake-up call uh, for our spirit man, a reminder to our flesh who's boss, not our flesh. God is our boss, okay? God owns us, not our appetite. So Remember, your flesh is simply a tent for your spiritual being, the eternal part of us that feasts on God's word and really thrives when his spirit dwells in our soul. So enjoy this fast this Wednesday. Let this stimulate your appetite for God. You can do this. We're going to fast from sun up to sundown and really um, come together at 7.30 for praise and worship at every campus, really seeking more of God's spirit in our lives and our church this spring. Now, Today, I'm kind of excited to share with you some fresh insights from God's word uh, that he gave me this week. I think this is going to encourage some of you. It really spoke to me this week. So let's tear into some soul food together. Take out your Bible. That's our menu. This is soul food, people. And so turn to Matthew chapter 4, and uh, it's under the heading, The Temptations of Jesus. And what this is, is the model that Jesus provided for his disciples about fasting and praying. Jesus said, when you pray, when you give, when you fast. In other words, he assumed anyone who's following him is doing these things. You're praying, you're fasting, etc. And I want to show this to you because I think, I want to ask God to give you fresh ears (laughs) and that you just get a fresh word from him today, whatever you're facing. Let me just pray right now. Father, that's what I ask right now. As we open up your word, Lord, let the word talk. Bring it to life, Father. Animate it, revive it with your Holy Spirit right now. Men and women, they need to hear fresh word from you, Father. And that's what I ask. Fresh break bed from your oven today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read this. Matthew chapter 4, first 11 verses. It says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And I don't know how Jesus did this, candidly. 40 days and 40 nights. This is not one day, 24 hours. This is, this is over a month in a desert. 
stripped of all the comforts that you and I have. No food, no water. He's in a wilderness. And what is Jesus doing? He is praying and fasting for you. He's fasting for you. He's fasting for me. Jesus is actually on mission and in a desert on purpose sent there by his heavenly father. That's the first thing that surprised me is how Jesus got there. We think, well, he somehow wandered in the desert and Satan attacked him. You notice what verse 1 says? It says he was led by what? By the Holy Spirit. I think this surprises a lot of Christians to learn that the Holy Spirit does not just lead us into blessing. The Holy Spirit doesn't just lead us to mountaintops. He doesn't just, he just kind of magically, you know, deliver believers or just magically heal our bodies. There are seasons and there are times in your life where you will be led by the Holy Spirit into a season of self-denial, a time of fasting and prayer, where you actually interrupt your regular routine of your spiritual life to seek God in a very specific, intentional way. He was led by the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit knows when we need to fast and pray and actually become weak in our flesh so we can be strengthened in our spirit for the battle ahead. This occurs before Jesus preached one sermon. He had performed no miracles at this point. He didn't even begin his public ministry. And what happens? He was led by the Spirit into the desert to fast and pray. Now, I have the question of why would Jesus need to fast and pray? I mean, he's the Son of God. He's in the flesh, the Lord Almighty. He's the creator of every living thing. Why does the Redeemer of the world need to fast and pray? And one of the reasons is to give us a model to follow. For anyone who would say, I'm going I'm, I'm to follow Jesus with my life. I'm going to pray, God, I want you to use me. I want my life to count for your purpose. God, I, don't, I, don't, I understand life is not just about, you know, getting a house and, you know, stock, socking it away and then retiring to Boca. I want my life to count. I, I want you to use it. I want you to fill me with your spirit and influence other people through me. Anybody who prays that prayer requires a time of consecration. And Jesus does this showing us that there are these moments where God says, I want you to put down your flesh to prepare you for what's to come. I want you to take your appetite off the throne to reestablish the rightful place of the Lord in your life. And that's one of the reasons God leads us into the desert, to prepare some of you for what he's going to do. Some of you, what you're about to do this Wednesday, you're going to fast this Wednesday, and it's not, you're not going to see the blessings and the benefits of this on Wednesday. You're going to see it in the fall. You're going to see it a year from now. Because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to die to myself right now. And unless that goes into the ground, then a harvest is going to come up later. That's what you're doing now. You're, you're, you're tilling the ground. And the desert was the tilled ground for Jesus. I mean, what is a desert? The King James Version says he was led into the wilderness. The desert is a place of extremes. Anyone who's been there, you know it is blistering hot during the day and it is freezing cold at night. It's extreme environment. High highs, low lows. There is no balance. If you've ever been in the desert, you know it's never nice and mild in the desert. <laughs> but the truth is, a lot of Christians want it nice and mild in their relationship with God. Not too cold, not too hot. Just right, a Goldilocks faith. <laughs> nice and mild. And if you're not careful, what happens is, and we all do, let's just be honest, you fall into that rut of man-made religion. You go to church, you listen to Star 99.1, and you go through the motions, and you lose your fire. Your passion, actually, at once was very, very bright, becomes about, well, duty, we go, because I don't know, we just go. I mean, just be honest, what brought you here today? What brought you here? Was it just like, I got to be in God's presence. I, I, I got to be, I gotta, I'm excited to be here. I got to worship him. I, or did someone drag you here? You're like, oh, blah, blah. Or just so you could check the box and tell other people, well, I went to church. See, if we're not careful, 
we can fall into kind of a nice and mild Christianity, what the Bible calls lukewarm. There was a church in the book of Revelation that was lukewarm, and Jesus said, yeah, I spit them out of my mouth because you're neither hot nor cold. And the first thing we learn from Jesus is that following him will mean there are mountaintops and there are valleys. You'll have times of rest in the garden where things are blooming, and there are going to be times of testing in the desert. Some of you are going through times when the heat is on, or you're freezing to death. But through it all, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the very end of the earth. Amen? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're in a desert experience right now. There is a wilderness trial, maybe, that has come along that is testing you. Well, the good news is you're not alone. Jesus went before you. He blazed the trail. The Holy Spirit led him, and the Holy Spirit is going to lead you. God the Father provide for him, and God the Father says, I'm going to provide for you. And I know that's got, it's a question mark for some of you, because some of you are like, can God really provide for me for this, through this fast? Notice, notice the first area of attack that the devil tempts Jesus. This is fascinating. It says, after fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry. Again, a candidate for the most obvious verse in the Bible. We're only fasting one day a week. Imagine 40 straight. And the tempter said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, he attacks Jesus in the area of his appetites. He appeals to his flesh, to his physical need. And there's a symmetry here. When the Bible opens up, first book of the Bible, Genesis, we are in a garden and Satan slithers up to even tempts her with what? Food, a fruit. God, eat this. You can be like God. You don't even need God. You can do this yourself. And Adam and Eve take and sin enters the world. Now we open up the New Testament. Matthew, he's not in a garden. Where's Jesus? The desert. And the Satan comes along. He says, feed your flesh. And Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. I'm denying my flesh. I'm the second Adam. I'm going to redeem what went down in sin. I'm going to put it all back together in the power of God. Amen? That's powerful. He attacks Jesus and he says, feed your flesh. And you know what? It would have been okay. Jesus had a legitimate need for food. You try not eating for 40 days. The guy was hungry. And Satan says, no, I don't know, man. It's been over a month now. I don't, I don't see any breakthrough here. I don't see a drive-through coming, Jesus. You really think God's going to provide for you? Any of you who are in a desert situation, you are familiar with the devil's taunts. Will God really provide for me in this? Maybe you, maybe you have a physical need, a healing that hasn't happened yet. You have, you have a debt you can't climb out of. One man wrote this in his card. He said, I'm asking God to resolve the foreclosure on my home and have the bank agree to reasonable terms so I can put this behind me. Foreclosure, bankruptcy, unemployment. This can be an unending financial desert in which you wonder, I don't, is God going to provide? Can I count on him or should I take a shortcut to find a way out? That's what the devil's offering Jesus, a shortcut. Jesus was hungry for bread. He had a need for food and catch this. He had the power to perform this very miracle, stones to bread. But he declined the devil's shortcut. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm in this desert on purpose. I'm in this desert on the command and leading of the Lord God Almighty And I'm going to lean on him and trust him to provide in his timing for exactly what I need. This first temptation is always in the area of provision. Will God have enough to give me? The second area is in the area of protection. Notice it says, the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the mountain, said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And then then he says, because doesn't the scripture say something like he'll command his angels? In other words, if if you throw yourself off, the angels will catch you. It's amazing. The devil knows the Bible. You understand this? It, but knowing the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Satan has in all of Scripture memorized. He knows how to twist it and manipulate it. He studies it for every word and then tries to get you to doubt the Father. Will the Father really protect me in this situation? 
There was a beautiful request in here from a mom who was fasting for her son. She said, our 17-year-old son has just enlisted in the army. What do you think her mother's heart right now is praying? Can you imagine the heart of desiring God's hand of protection? Will God protect my son? Lots of requests for protection of loved ones in these, in these fasting requests. Fasting for my mother's health. She recently had a stroke. Asking God to reach and just heal her body. Protect her, Lord. Protect my, my brother's heart as he mourns the loss of his wife. Lift him up during this fast. Will God provide? Will God protect? These are the same strategies that Satan used to taunt Jesus. See, even when you fast and pray, the devil mess with you. In fact, especially when you fast and pray, the devil will mess with you because he knows you're weak and you're pressing in and you're ready arming yourself for battle. These may be dire desert circumstances to you. And you'd be like, I, I already feel all alone. I don't need to be more weak. And it's like, you got to man up because the spirit man in you has to be doing some lifting here. Jesus was tempted in every way, and yet he was without sin. So understand, right now, you may feel alone, but Jesus can identify with your weakness, and there is nothing facing you that he doesn't understand. So let me just kind of be clear about what to expect this Wednesday, okay? Um, if you are joining us on this fast, understand, don't expect like uh, Wednesday to be like, oh, happy spiritual day, I'm all Jesus. It's not that kind of thing. Fasting is actually entering the desert. You're denying yourself. And when Jesus fasted and prayed, that's when Satan messed with him the most. So this Wednesday, some of you understand, this is your first ever fast. You're like looking forward to it. You're like, oh, I'm excited about this. 24 hours, like what's the big deal? You're going to be tempted, okay? You're going to get out of the shower and you're going to be like, ooh, what's that co smell? Coffee? Uh, is that hazelnut, you know? And, you're, and the tempter's going to be like, yeah, you can't make it through the day. You have a big meetings. You need energy. Have a cup. And you'll be like, no, no, I can't do it. And you go and you go to work. It'll be 9 a.m. And you walk in your office and someone's left Twinkies on your desk. And you're like, what? What is this? And then the headaches begin and you're going to say, oh, God, God I, I got to be on my game today. I can't function like this. So you, so you drink water. Drink a lot of water on Wednesday. Water is a faster's best friend. But then you're going to start running back and forth to the bathroom. And your coworkers are going to be like, what is with him? You know, kind of. And you're like, oh, everyone's watching me. This is weird. I'm not feeling anything. Jesus was tempted. And anytime you press in with a fast to seek more of God's presence and power in your life, the devil will oppose you. It is just the way this works. Just wait and see this Wednesday. Don't be shocked. You're going to walk in, some of you, and you can have, like, the stingiest boss in the world. You can have a miserly boss who, like, makes Scrooge look like a saint. And you will walk in on Wednesday, and he's going to say, free pizza for the office. On me today. Just, you guys have been working so hard. Yeah, I, I laugh. I actually, this actually happened at the liquid office this week, just confession moment. Uh, this is embarrassing, but we had, we had very good intentions. One of our, our key volunteers named Vonda is moving, and it was her last day, and we wanted, she's an incredible woman of faith. She travels internationally, but she comes and volunteers at the office every Thursday to put the programs together with a whole army of volunteers, get things ready for Sunday. So if you have a straw, you can thank Vonda. In fact, can we thank all the volunteers who labor to make that happen? Thank you, guys. So Vonda's moving to Arkansas, and we wanted to give her like a proper goodbye and just celebrate all she's meant to our church. And this was last Thursday, so Lois whipped up one of her double German chocolate uh, layered cakes as a treat. And you can see it there. And it was Thursday, and Vonda had this look on, his, on her face, and we're like, surprise, Vonda, you know, we love you. And she just looked at the cake, and she just said, it's beautiful, but I'm, I'm fasting today, you know? <laughs> and so, so we had this cake and this party for Vonda, and she didn't even get a bite of the cake. And I felt so bad, I, I, I shook my head, and, and, and then Pastor Tom uh, said, don't worry, I'll take hers. Look at, show this picture. Look at the look of Pastor Tom's face. He's perched like a vulture on her shoulder, man. He's just like, I can help. Don't be shocked 
Jesus was tempted. You'll be tempted in the days leading up to Easter. Do you understand why we're doing this? That's what, this is what Lent is about. Somebody, what's Lent? Lent is a season that is based on Jesus' 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. That's what Lent is. And when we deny ourselves something we crave, we're identifying with Christ. Do you understand? We're identifying with the temptations he put up with, with the suffering Jesus endured, with his flesh, which was broken for you and me. So this is a spiritual exercise in which we imitate Christ, and it's going to toughen your soul even as it weakens your flesh. 24 hours. I think you can do it. It was planned for Jesus to be in this desert. God planned his birth. God planned his death. God planned his resurrection. And he even planned this season of testing. And understand this. Whatever test you are going through, this is not a surprise to God. This is not an accident. He planned this period of testing. I'm not saying he's the one tempting you. Notice that's the enemy. But before you got into this trial, God had a beginning point for this. He said, it's going to start here. And he already knows there's an ending point. And what faith means is that you believe the same spirit who set you up for this test will sustain you in it because his grace is sufficient. Amen? You know what fasting is? Fasting is a hunger strike against hell. That's what it is. It's saying, you know what? The devil in hell doesn't have claim on my life. Jesus Christ and his blood does. A hunger strike against hell. That's what fasting is. And so this straw is a declaration of war. It's a declaration of dependency. It's saying, I'm not going to take comfort in food. God's going to be my comforter through this, and I'm not going to let my appetites overcome me. Just listen to the words of the enemy. If you really are who you say you are. In other words, he attacks him at the level of his identity. Gets up in the grill of Jesus. And he's going to challenge some of you at the same place. If you look at the passage immediately before this, you'll notice that Jesus had just been baptized. And when he came up out of the water... The father spoke. It says, a voice from heaven said, this is who? My son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. To me, this is one of my favorite, I think this is one of the most beautiful verses in all of scripture. Imagine the power that entered Jesus when he heard his father say, this is my boy. I am, I, I love who you are, Jesus. You know what it means, well pleased? It means you bring me pleasure you imagine, do you ever have a father say that to you? Man, you're just a source of my delight. I just love who you're becoming. I love who you are. This is before Jesus did one miracle. He never preached a sermon. And Satan jumps all over these words of affirmation. He says, oh, if you really are a God child, prove it. You got to do something to prove who you really are. But you know something? When you're secure in who you are in Christ, you don't got to prove anything to anybody. The words of the father are stronger than the doubts of the deceiver. The Father's affection, who you are in Christ, you're my beloved daughter, you're my beloved son, is stronger than the enemy's accusations. Fasting will do this to you. It will surface insecurity like nothing else. And one of the things I hope is that some of you, a spirit of security, you will take hold of us. Who you are as God's child, you are free, you are forgiven, you are favored. You are dearly beloved by your Father in heaven. He sees Jesus in you. That's what it means. He took our sin. We get his righteousness. He sees Jesus in you. He looks at you and he says this, ah, my boy who I love. Ah, Tom, Todd, look, my boys, my girl, Tara. I don't know how you feel that, but Satan knows who you are. As a son or daughter of God, in the blood of Jesus Christ, you actually have authority over him. But he doesn't want you to live out of that identity. He wants you nice and mild and on the defensive. You're God's child, prove it. 
you don't got to live with that pressure. The Christian life, it's like no pressure. You got no need to prove anything to anybody. In Christ, you are not a second-class citizen. I hope this brings security and boldness to some of your faith because Jesus knew who he was. He said, I don't have to turn stones to bread because I am the bread of life. I don't have to jump off a cliff to show you how strong I am. I know who I am because of the Father who said who I am. If the Father said it, that settles it. Amen? There's power in the words of a father directly spoken to his child. Jesus rejected the devil's tongue. He said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Circle that word in your Bible because it's a special word. In Greek, the word is rhema. Can we say that together? Rhema. Rhema means a personal word or an utterance from God. In other words, a personal revelation spoken to you, a word downloaded from heaven directly to your heart. It comes out of the mouth of God and it hits your heart. And I want you to lean in on this because I think this is going to change the life of some of you. Oh, I'm fired up. Man, Holy Spirit, here we go. I've been fasting a little bit. The power of a rhema word from God spoken clearly to you, it can change your perspective, whatever situation you are facing in an instant. Last week, I shared with you how I did a three-day fast. I did consecutive days, just in anticipation of the series, because I want to lead you with integrity and out of experience. And uh, I just want to get a little bit ahead. And I was fasting for three things. I was fasting for just personal renewal, that God would just sharpen my edge spiritually. But then I was fasting for this church, that God would just kind of reawaken that, bring that personal revival, fresh vitality into your family, spill out into our church, into our, into our city. But the third thing I mentioned last week I was fasting for, I was like, it's a personal situation, a family crisis. Um, our family's facing a situation um, that I'm like, I need God's direction on. It was still very wet cement, so I didn't share it with you, and I apologize because I usually share. But um, I prayed about it this week, and I'll, candidly, God confirmed. He's like, I, I want you to share this because I think it's going to speak directly to some of you. The, uh, the situation we're facing, the desert, the wilderness, as it were, is that my dad's cancer has returned. It's not just in his hips anymore. It has now moved to his spine as of uh, 10 days ago. And he's had lymphoma for about 12 years, seen some remission, so thankful to God. But earlier this spring, tests revealed it was, it was back and it's actually entered his bones. The, the pressure was so great actually on his uh, hip, it actually fractured his right hip. And a few, again, 10 days ago, it's now in his spine, the latest MRI says. Obviously, not the news we were hoping to hear. Troubling news. Heartbreaking news. It actually caused my mom great heartache and fear. They've been married 47 years. It's normal. The, the, my, my father's name is Dell. Um, many of you are real close with him. My, my son was named after him. He's an incredible man, easily my greatest influence as a husband and a father. That's my mom, Elaine. I have her hair. <laughs> 47 years, godly people, tremendous faith. They are the reason I'm your pastor today. Understand this. And I'm very grateful to so many of you who have been praying for them. Truly, that just means the world to us. But it was, um, it was strange because I, I naturally thought, okay, I'm going to be fasting, so I'll fast for, for God's healing because that's our desire as, as a family, that God would be healed. And I got the sense that I was supposed to fast actually for something else, <laughs> for, for discernment, to actually know what to do, how I could honor my parents, like through this latest curveball and, and handle the situation as their son. And so on the first day of the fast, I, um, I, started, I started journaling. Any of you do this? This is, this is a great help to me. Sometimes, you know, when you're praying, your mind just, like, goes all over the place. I'm like, I'm going to pray for my dad who loves the Yankees. Oh, I wonder how Alex Rodriguez's hip is, you know. Uh, Twinkies, did somebody, like, your mind just goes all over. 
I write out my prayers. That's a kind of prayer journal. I write them out because it helps get that kind of stuff out and keeps my mind from jumping all over. And I don't know how to describe this because I was, um, I was eating at the same time, a little bit of soul food. And um, about 24 hours, I hadn't actually eaten, and I'm praying about this desert situation, and I don't often say this. God spoke to me. But I hadn't eaten for 24 hours, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and, and, and literally, it was like a rhema, a personal word from God. From his lips to my heart, he led me to John 19. I'm not, I'm not currently reading the Gospel of John, but he led me to John 19, where Jesus is actually hanging on the cross, and at the foot of the cross, there are two people left, his mother Mary and the disciple John. And I read the words where Jesus said to John, here is your mother. And then he said to Mary, here is your son. And it says, from that moment on, the disciple took her into his home. And I felt, I heard from God saying, Tim, the way I want you to honor your father is by taking care of your mother, whatever happens. It's a rhema. Jesus is in the desert. He's like, it's written, it's written. And then in Luke it says, the Bible says, in other words, the book started talking to him. A rhema is when the father speaks so directly to you. It's unmistakable. And in a moment, your perspective on a situation changes. I don't know how else to describe that, but uh, it was like Christ was looking down, speaking directly to me. Tim, I know you want to honor me. I know you want to honor him. And the way I want to do this is I want you to take care of your mother. And I was like, Lord, of course, whatever you want. That wasn't, candidly, that wasn't just, that wasn't on my radar. And I don't know what all that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's next in our journey. But it was like the father looked into my eyes and spoke his word. And it sliced something in my heart and sensitized it in a way that I could sit down and have coffee I could go to counseling, but God said, I'm going to speak directly to you because you're my son. And I know you want to honor me. And this is what I want you to do. And I was like, Lord, give me, give me the compassion of Jesus and give me the obedience of John. Um, has God ever spoken to you like that? Are you hungry for God to speak to you like that? Because your father's waiting. He, he has these words to speak to you at times. It's a rhema. It's a personal utterance. It's a download from heaven directly into your family, your future, your life. That's the power of prayer and fasting, my friends. I Candidly, it was such wet cement. That's why I didn't share it with you. And I was like, I got to talk to my folks. I had them over. They came over for lunch on Wednesday. We just had an amazing time together. We're not going to spend an hour together. They were over for like four and a half hours. And you know what came out of that? I was like, my day was shot. I was like, okay. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Most people live with regret when it comes to their families. Like what, what, what I might have said or what I might have done differently, I'm like, it's not going to be that way in our home. You know why? Because when the heat gets turned up, we're going to actually press into the Father and listen to his voice and then follow his word because of the words of life. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. Is there a situation you're facing? Is there a decision that you're weighing, a crisis that you don't know what to do? 
I believe God has a rhema for some of you today. Just as clear as I received, it has the power to change your life forever, the course of your future. You know what a rhema really is? It says in the Hebrew, a life-giving word. In other words, it comes from the mouth of God. In other words, fasting, we close our mouths and God opens his mouth. And notice a rhema never contradicts God's word. It's directly from scripture. These are the words of Jesus himself. And they have the power to just melt or change or tear down walls in an instant. There are situations that you will have in your life that could take months or years to try to resolve and they'd never change. There may be opportunities you'd never see. But when you see God with fasting and prayer, he says, I see you, you're seeking after me. I'm gonna drop the scales from your eyes and let you see something here. I'm gonna open up your ears to hear my voice in a new way and you're changed. I was changed. I don't know what else to tell you. Is anybody else hungry for a rhema? Anybody? Does anybody want to hear from the Lord? I pray that you do. I want this so badly for some of you. I really do because it's the Father's desire and it's your birthright as a child of God. You thought this fast was about food. It, it's not about the food. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit, the bread of heaven, the word of the Lord, and you won't go hungry again once you taste it. So if you're hungry for more from God, this is what I want you to do this Wednesday. I want you to first, I want you to feed on God's word, okay? I want you to pray. Journal out your thoughts if they are scattered like mine. Mine are all over this place. I love just kind of writing that down. And I want you to worship him. Feed, pray, and worship. That's how you get out of the wilderness. That's what you do during a fast in the desert. When I say feed, I mean read God's word. And here's the deal. If you haven't signed up for the three-day fast, when you do, I will email you a daily devotional. It's going to be powerful. 21 days, we're all feasting, meditating on the same piece of scripture. We're chewing on it. We're gnawing on it. So if you don't know where to start, give us your email, and I'll get that daily devotional to you. You're feasting on God's word. We spend extra time this Wednesday listening and then praying. In other words, talking to your father. Some of us get real super like weird and religious when it comes to like praying. Like we talk about Jesus, and then it's like, Oh, heavenly father, thou art, all of a sudden we're in the 16th century. Thee are a great God. It's like, no, this is your father, Jesus says. Here's how you pray. Abba, daddy, he wants to be intimate with you. And not just bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me prayers. I want to know you prayers. Father, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice like Pastor Tim heard. I want to rain. I'm hungry. Let me sense your presence. Speak to me because you have the words of life. So journal out your prayers. That will help you um, like nothing else it has for me, particularly when mine sometimes feel real jump or I need a jump start. I think there's something powerful about the written word. I'm going to have this page forever. <laughs> I'm glad I wrote this down because a few days later I woke up and I was like, was that my imagination? Was that like a dream? And I went back to God's word. I was like, no, he said it in John 19 and then Jesus said it straight to me. Jesus confronts the devil by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he called up God's word that he had hidden in his heart and he used it. If you fast and pray and read the Bible, there will come a moment where you're reading and I get it, it may not be Wednesday, you're reading, you're reading, you're reading and suddenly the word starts reading you. The word starts reading your life. You're like, holy smokes, he's, the book's talking to me, it's talking. God wants to talk to some of you. He's waiting to download a word from heaven into your life about your family, your situation. He says, would you fast and pray and seek me with all your heart? Will you do it? Will you worship me? That's the final thing we're going to do Wednesday. We're going to worship. That is the critical ingredient to revival. You pray and worship your way out of the wilderness. Notice the final temptation. 
is in this area. Satan shows Jesus the kingdoms of the world. He's like, look, Chicago, London, New York, Secaucus, right? And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship is essential to fasting because it stirs our awareness of his presence. And God wants you to worship during this fast. I'll be honest. Some of you, I understand this. This is the only worship that happens during your week. Three songs, 18 minutes, you're done. It's not enough. Our worship is on Sunday supposed to be the overflow of what's happening during this week. So this week, I want you to spend some time. You praise your heavenly father. I don't care how bad your voice is. I screech like an alley cat, okay? He doesn't care. I'm not a singer. I put my iPod on and I go to the woods behind my house. I must look like a madman. Because I get my worship on in the woods. Get some new music if you need to. We're going to be teaching you some new songs this spring. But it's essential you worship during the fast. And that's why we're coming together this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We've never done this before, okay? We're going to actually spend some time encouraging, praying each other uh, with each other, and worshiping, all right? So if those of you who've been hungry for more worship, this is the dinner bell. Ding, 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 ding. Come and get it, okay? Jesus read. He fed. He prayed. He worshiped. And he relied on the Father's word to resist the devil. And after it was all over, the word says, then the devil left him. And what happened? Angels came and attended him. You know what attended means? It means equipped and strengthened. In other words, fasting is a gateway through which God releases supernatural power into our lives. Some of you, after this three weeks are over, you're going to be like, I just want to keep going. Because you're going to feel stronger in your spirit than you've ever felt before. When Jesus left the desert, Luke says, he returned in the power of the spirit and all hell breaks loose. You think Jesus, 40 days, he'd come limping out like, oh man, I just need a Red Bull. I can't. (laughs) He leaves the desert and he literally raises hell. Look at the heading of the next passage. It says, Jesus heals the sick. It says, he went throughout Galilee, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Amen? He hits the demon possessed, those having seizures where you see there, he healed them. This fast is going to bring healing for some of you. It may not be Wednesday, but you're going to look back in a year from now and say, oh my goodness, God cleansed and healed my body. And it was because back in the spring of 2012, I humbled myself and I sought his hand in his face. And he says, I'm going to show you. I want to do more in your life. I want this so badly for some of you to start living this, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Raise your hand if you're hungry. You are hungry for a rhema. You want to hear from God? I want to pray for us right now. Keep your hands up. All our campuses, raise your hand. We're going to pray. Bow our heads. Father God, we're raising our hands. They're open because we got nothing. (laughs) Oh God, would you just thank you so much, God, for your willingness and desire to speak to your children. Right now, Father, we put up these requests. We're consecrating this fast. This Wednesday, Father, we're setting it aside to seek your face. Lord, I pray, Father, I I just thank you so much that you're your graciousness to me, that you care enough about me, Lord, just to preach to me. And Father, I pray right now that you'd preach and speak words tenderly, Father, to the daughters of God who are here, to my brothers in Christ. Father, God, we're opening our hands to receive from you the manna of heaven, the bread of life, God, Give it to us. Release your rhema. Lord, we speak wisdom, discernment, Lord, into people right now who are facing decisions and they want your will, not theirs, be done. In Jesus' name. Father, for those who are are sick or who need your touch, Lord, reach out and touch them in an unmistakable way. And they'll say, that's the hand of God. That's what we're praying for. We trust Jesus, the Christ, our Lord, our Savior, 
for it. It's in his name we pray. All God's people said together, amen. amen. Praise God. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.